That's pretty good. My grandson was visiting us one time, and I uh, got up early in the morning to go pray. And uh, he had decided to sleep on that couch that was my place of prayer. And I said, sorry, dude, out of here. This is where I pray. Go sleep on another couch. But it's amazing. It's amazing what God will do. As you come to that place, during the day or any the hour, it's just a place. You know, there's nothing special. But at that time that you have marked for your time of prayer, and I noticed this when we were living in northeastern Brazil, and uh, I had a, uh, we had rented a, an apartment, and we had set up one of the bedrooms. We didn't have any company, so one of them just set up as kind of a day room, kind of a little day couch, and that was my place of prayer. But as I would walk in there in the early morning, and even before I, my knee was <clears> on <throat> the floor, God's holy presence was there with me. I'm not boasting. I'm just telling you what God yeah. does. All right? Amen. God knew the purpose of my heart. And he knew I was there to talk with him. And thank God he was there to talk with me. Amen. 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 And uh, it's just such a beautiful thing when we have this kind of a relationship with the Lord. Did I give you a copy of this? I didn't. <coughs> I made a copy for you tonight. All right? Uh, regarding our regarding our proposed uh, Bible studies and uh, Bible teaching on Sunday morning. Uh, Sister Gina, are you able to put up the first page? Is that too complicated? Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, anyway, we're going to embark on this series of studies that is called A Guide to Seven Men and Two Natures, The Secret of Victory, over the flesh and the devil and power with God. This is going to be a study that we're going to move through uh, very carefully and precisely, and we're going to be researching a lot of scripture. I'm not an authority, but the Bible is. Yes. Amen? Amen. And so we're going to be involving ourselves in this. We're probably looking at about four to five different Sunday mornings that we will be moving through this. I do want you to bring your Bibles. However, I sent the file of this uh, small little study manual to Sister Gina, and she's already got it on the computer. And she will be putting the different pages up here on the screen as we move through this. But I would like to encourage everyone. I've made up 20 copies of this. And they're about $5 a piece. I'll, I'll get that final number to you, Brother uh, Camarena. And, uh, but that's going to be about what it is. Uh, you want to take one tonight, you can. Do a little study beforehand. Uh, and uh, so Brother Camarena is going to be uh, making uh, retribution to me for <laughs> expenses that I've already had. Uh, and I thank God that I'm able to do it. You know, I don't have to be penny annie and all the time, you know, give me this, give me that, give me something else, you know. But um, I want you to have a copy of this because as we go through this, it is going to be rather slow and methodical, but there will be a time when you're going to want to go back and say, I want to remember those scriptures. I want to remember this work. Amen. And you can go back and renew and refresh, and there may be some that are uh, attendees here or members here 
that are going to want to teach it to their family, to their children, so that their children can understand how it is that uh, the works of the flesh uh, do come to uh, plague every one of us. All right? So that's just kind of a little uh, upfront um, advertisement tonight. All right? Now, <clears throat> uh, Sister Gina has tonight um, uh, the list of scriptures that I'm going to be using. And we're going to be talking tonight about the work of the Holy Spirit. All right? You like Holy Ghost better? You use Holy Ghost? I don't have a problem with that. But uh, I worked in the Portuguese language for over 40 years, and it's Espiritu Santo. All right? And there's no ghost about it. It's just the Holy Spirit. It's all one and the same thing. And uh, some people, I don't know, they got a hang-up about that, but uh, they're just going to have to hang up on their hang-up, I guess. <laughs> All right. You know, sometimes I'm so brutally honest that people get offended. I hope you won't. But uh, I want to read, uh, uh, just, just let me say this to you this morning. And, and, and when I say something to you, it's never, ever, in a tone of bragging. It's just relating to you what God does in my life. And my desire is that God will do the same thing for you. Yes. All right? Amen. This morning I was awake at 3.30 in the morning, and it wasn't that I went to bed early. Matter of fact, at that point, I probably hadn't been in bed over about four hours. And I will admit that I was a little bit stubborn. It's like, God, I don't want to get up now. <laughs> but uh, finally, after him not letting me sleep, I said, all right, Lord, I'm up. And so I got up and went to my office. And um, it wasn't working exactly on this, but it was another uh, article that God wanted me to write in the Portuguese language. So today I've spent basically all day writing in first in Portuguese and English and then back to Portuguese. Sister Gina found one mistake I made in my study. I got a Portuguese scripture reference in here. Fortunately, she was able to pick up on it and uh, know where I was going. All right? But it is an amazing thing how God can speak to us. And if we, if we are obedient, here's what happened. So I got up and I did my research and wrote a lot on my the article that I was writing that went to about a thousand words by the end and uh, I said okay Lord I think I'm about to the end of this this is about what I feel that you've given me now Lord if you will just uh, permit me I'm going to go back to bed for a little while <laughs> and so about six o'clock I fell into bed and got a couple more hours sleep and uh, it's been a good day I have found that that time that we spend with God in prayer, in Bible study, in Bible reading, this is my experience, that during the day I do not feel the lack of those hours that are lost in sleep. God somehow strengthens us and renews us yes. because we are obedient to Him. Amen. So be obedient to God. It yes. will pay great dividend Amen. in your life. Amen. Now, the, the words that, that came to me as I began to prepare, uh, <laughs> this is probably pretty close to seven or 800 words also. It's two and a half pages. But um, 
the words that first came to me and the thoughts that first came to me, and I'm going to read this to you, okay? Many people receive the Holy Spirit as promised by our Lord Jesus and as received by those 120 in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. Unhappily, many of those that receive do not understand the need of receiving, nor do they understand what the Holy Spirit wants to do and can do in their lives. They got this wonderful experience. Oh, hallelujah. Fold your arms. I got it. (laughs) Nailed down. Don't have any more problems. Yes, you got problems coming. All right? Okay? And... uh, so they, they don't understand what God wants to do with their lives by the power of His Spirit. Consequently, they live far beneath their privileges as a child of God. That's right. So true. All right? Yeah. Uh, my first, my two older boys got married uh, same year, wasn't it? Same year. Just a few months apart. And... Uh, <clears throat> They always manage to come back home every once in a while. And I mean, it's like walk in the front door, go through the living room, go straight to the kitchen and open the refrigerator to see what kind of goodies mom got in the refrigerator. And uh, our youngest son was still at home. He's going to say, get out of my refrigerator. That's my refrigerator. You got thrown in your own house. Okay. It was just hilarious. It's funny. And there was no ill will in it. But... You know, they knew that what was in mom's refrigerator could be had. They could drink it, they could eat it, they could do whatever they wanted to with it because it was in mom's house, all right, and dad's house. We've got to understand that the Lord is our heavenly father and we have access to all that he has in his house. It's ours, but so many people don't take advantage of it. And so we're going to talk to you tonight about the work of the Holy Ghost, all right? I want to touch on at least a few of the things that the Holy Spirit can do and wants to do in our lives. And I hope that this study uh, will not only help those who have received the Holy Ghost to become more fruitful, but will create a very ardent desire, hunger in the hearts of those who have not yet received this glorious experience to be filled and to have this power abiding in them so that they can be victorious and fruitful. Brother Pastor, if you'd like to have more copies of this to give to those that are not here tonight, I'd be happy to furnish those to you. Or you can just copy the one you got. All right? All right. Now we're going to talk about the works of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Number one, uh, A, is it convicts the sinner. All right? It convicts the sinner. I can't convict you, but the Holy Spirit can convict you, all right? Right. So we're going to John, uh, Sister Gina, John chapter 16, verses 8 through 11, all right? And when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they believe not on me. And our world is filled with people like that today. All right? So they need to feel the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. Of righteousness, which I go to my Father, and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. All right? So the Holy Spirit is 
operative in the world to convict of sin, all right? Now, I want you to pay careful attention to what I'm going to read to you now, okay? This is the first necessary step for a sinner to be saved. The Holy Ghost anoints the preached word by your pastor or me, whoever has filled this pulpit, all right? Uh, or the taught word, or the reading of the word by the sinner. Some people have been convicted of their sinful life by simply reading the Bible or having a gospel tract fall in their hands and suddenly they are made aware of their lost condition. It's the power of the word anointed by the Holy Ghost. I'll never forget. Uh, we, we opened a church in the downtown area of our capital city, city of about three and a half million people in our state. And uh, it was on a major avenue. We had literally thousands of people walk by the building that we rented every day. And uh, about starting about an hour before church time, I had a couple that would go out and hand out tracts. And uh, they would just, you know, hand them out. Somebody would just, don't give me one of those things, you know. <laughs> they actually could feel the power of God emanating from this couple and emanating from the gospel tract that was about to fall into their hand. We don't understand that because we are accustomed to the moving of the Holy Ghost in us, all right? The word penetrates the heart of the sinner. By the operation of the Holy Spirit, his conscience is pricked, all right? What does it say in the book of Acts chapter 2, verse 37? And they were pricked in their heart. Because Peter preached under the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Yeah. And he brought to their mind and to their thinking the words of the Old Testament, which was all they had, okay? But it was enough to bring conviction to their hearts, yeah. all right? So they were pricked in their hearts, and as a result of that, they repented, were baptized, and about 3,000 of them received the Holy Ghost on that day, all right? He awakens to the fact that he is a sinner. Wakens up to the fact he's a sinner and in a lost condition without hope. The sinner's only hope of repentance is when he is convicted of his lost condition by the Holy Spirit. All right? No one is going to repent of their sin unless they have been convicted by the power of the Holy Ghost that they are a sinner and that they need God to become freed of their sins. All right? So the work of the Holy Ghost in the world, through you, through God's ministers, or whatever means God chooses, is a very, very important, can I say, essential part of the spiritual experience. Yeah. Amen. All right? What's the difference between important and essential? Essential means you need it. Huh? Essential is more like you need it. It's, it's like... More like or is. <laughs> <laughs> and I have had more fun with this little illustration, but... You know, essential and important is all the same thing. Oh, is it real? Is it real? Okay. So you want a car. All right? Uh... Be sure your spare tire can be safe where you take the strip, okay? <laughs> now you don't, it's important. 
But we might be able to say that it's not really essential, all right? Because a car will run just fine without a spare tire. Right? Okay? But the motor is essential. And gasoline in the tank is essential. Because sunshine, you're just not going anywhere without those things, all right? And uh, you better have some pretty good tires on it, too. That's essential, all right? So we understand the difference between important and essential. Now, we're talking to you tonight about the essentiality of the move of the Holy Ghost in the lives of people who do not know the Lord. All right? <clears throat> Therefore, the work of salvation is the work of the Holy Spirit, even though the person has not yet received the Holy Spirit. All right? God can move on people by the power of his Holy Spirit, even though they have not received the Holy Spirit. All right? It is an exterior force that moves upon them that creates a certain feeling in their innermost being. But they have not yet been transformed by the power of God's Spirit because they have not received it. All right? Now, here's one more point that I want to make, and I think it's very important. The Holy Spirit is necessary in the life of any person from beginning to end to consummate the work of salvation. Right? Many religious organizations today, in fact, the majority of them, do not believe in receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost as we believe. They are shortchanging their members. Yeah, right. Are they going to be saved? Well, let me just say this. You can put this in your little book and chuck it up to me. I'm not the judge. Praise God. All right? What God's going to do with these people, I have no clue. But I know that I need the Holy Ghost in my life. All right? Yeah. All right. The knowledge, this knowledge of the work of the Holy Spirit in a person's life helps us to understand. Now listen carefully. The importance for those who are saved to earnestly pray for the sinner in order to bring about the work of conviction in the life of the sinner. Amen. All right? Thank you, Brother Noah, for sharing your little bit of your family history with me tonight. And I hope your mother does not object to that. I did go back there and pray with her tonight for your two brothers that are not walking with God. All right? So what I have just said can be illustrated by, by what I hope happens in your family. Yes. That together, you will unite your voices, whether you pray individually or together. Yeah. Unite your voices yeah. in behalf of your two sons, your two brothers. And because of your prayers, yep. the power of God's Spirit will move right. in their hearts yes. right. and bring them to a knowledge of God. They will feel this anxiousness, oh, this hallelujah. something that is not right, and I've got to get this right. That's right. Hallelujah. That is the work of the Holy Ghost yes, sir. that happens through you and your prayers. Right. Amen. I hope all of you understood that. Amen. All right, the second thing. The Holy Ghost regenerates, and we're going to John 3, 5. And I'm not going to look, I just hope, Sister Tina, that you're able to follow along here tonight with me, okay? 
Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And uh, there's that mistake on the next one there, Sister Gina. That's Titus, okay? <laughs> How did that come up? Oh, you got it chained. <laughs> okay, thank you. Uh, I wrote it in Portuguese. Just Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. Yes. Hallelujah. Yes. In our original sinful state, we are not and cannot be saved. Minister was talking to me just the other day on the telephone. He said, he said, I cannot believe what I heard in a funeral service. He said, I go to attend this funeral service for a man who committed suicide. And the pastor said that he was in the presence of the Lord. Uh, hello? Hello? I mean, if you murder someone else or murder yourself, isn't that the same thing? Yeah. Yes. But that's the kind of stuff that we're hearing in the world of religion today. We have unregenerate men standing behind pulpits saying that they are declaring the work of God. I mean, I, I am blown away. It just seems like every day. I just read this week that our former president, Jimmy Carter. Anybody remember Jimmy Carter? All right. Jimmy Carter. Uh, he was a Bible teacher in the Baptist church in Plains, Georgia. Bible teacher. And he just came out and declared that Jesus Christ would accept same-sex marriage. Oh, my God. Uh, where, where, where are we? I mean, have people, have Christian people and so-called so Christian people lost their courage? They're bonus. They're intrepid to declare God's word. Amen. Yeah. Amen. I mean, I haven't lost it. And I hope I don't lose it. Matter of fact, I posted something there on Facebook that they'll probably shut me down. But uh, I don't care. I don't care. I, I'm going to declare it. You know? I'm going to declare it. Because... If I don't, who's going to? If you don't, who's going to? Yeah. Are we going to join the ranks of all of these cowards, excuse me, out there that are afraid to declare the truth of God's word? Yeah. You know, it's got to be declared with love. It's got to be declared with good language, you know, uh, and, and all of that. But, you know, we can't be just cruel and abrupt and unfeeling. But... We have got to declare God's word. Yes. Every sinner needs to be regenerated. Right. And that is the work of the Holy Spirit. The work of regeneration is the changing of the sinner into a saint, causing a man to become a new creation in Jesus Christ. All right? The adulterer ceases to be an adulterer. 
The man that uses that salter sailor language ceases to talk like that. His mouth gets cleaned up. All right? Yeah. Amen. Amen. And uh, the, the desire for uh, um, ungodly dress and ungodly habits and ungodly entertainment and all of that, it disappears because we become a new creature in Christ Jesus. We are renewed, we are regenerated by the power of the Holy Ghost. Now, <clears throat> this is the coming to the power of the Holy Spirit, coming to in a life of a man to work the necessary miracles. It is a miracle to be saved. It is a miracle to be regenerated. It is a miracle to be uh, released from all of those habits in the world. You can't just say, I'm going to quit and quit. Some of those things have been ingrained in some people's uh, physical and mental makeup for so many years that they can't just flip a switch and become different. Man that I know is a Christian man, I hope he's Christian, talking to him one day and all of a sudden he popped out with, boy, just a, a horrible swear word. And I thought, my God, man, what the world? I didn't say anything, but I'm shocked my modesty. You know, I just really couldn't believe that. You know, uh, uh, if we are really regenerate, then we are not going to be involved in those kind of things anymore. All right? Now the Holy Spirit indwells the child of God. Now, and I want to explain this in a little bit more detail. All right? All right? Here's the deal. The Holy Spirit has always existed. All right? Even in the Old Testament. Because what is the Holy Spirit? Third person of the Trinity? Or second? Don't get all choked up there, sister. <laughs> all right? And you will remember what I said to you the other night when I was teaching here, that in reality, John 4.24 says, God is spirit. Not a spirit. God is spirit. When you read that in your King James, just kind of ignore that little A there, all right? Because that shouldn't be there. And I have checked all kinds of translations. And, and I, I try to be knowledgeable in what I teach you from this pulpit, all right? And so God is spirit. He is not one of many. God is spirit. He is the only eternal spirit. He is the only all-powerful spirit, yes. all right? right? When God created the, the earth and God moved upon the face of the deep and said in the beginning, God. doesn't say God the Father or anything else. It just says God, all right? Oh, by the way, let me make an apology to you. If, if you thought that my teaching the other night was a little bit too juvenile for you, please forgive me. Talking about grammar and punctuation and all that sort of thing, all right? Uh, maybe that's, maybe I shouldn't have done that. I don't know. I didn't want to insult anybody. But I was reading a scripture just this week. I believe it is uh, Acts 9, 6, if I remember correctly. And this is about Paul's conversion, all right? Are you able to bring that up, Sister Gina? 
It's up. All right. All right. Read it for me. Somebody. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. All right. I want to pay, I want you to pay careful attention to that comma that is right after the word said. That is a very important comma. All right. And I'm going to tell you why. All right. And this it goes along with my apology. I just and I want you to understand why I did that. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, there's a little pause there. Now, when Paul spoke this, he only knew one in heaven. One. And he called him Jehovah. All right? And so he said, Uh, somebody said, Jehovah? Or, uh, go back to verse 5. Yeah, there we go. And he said, Who art thou? Jehovah? And the voice comes back and says, I'm Jesus whom you persecute. I tell you, you, you talk about open up a sphere of understanding. And anybody who reads this correctly will understand that. All right? And he said, who art thou? Jehovah? That's the only one he knew. That's the one that he has served from his childhood. Jehovah. All right? Okay? So that help. Mother Sister Wong? You think I'm preaching false doctrine? No, quasi. I'm just thinking, and he said, Who art thou, Lord? Lord. Did he know that it was God, or did he think it was a voice from the hill? No, he didn't think it was a voice from the hill. He was looking upward. The light came from heaven. And he said, Who art thou, Jehovah? So... I just wanted to kind of put this little thing in there about the importance of these commas that sometimes give us an altogether different outlook on how these verses are put together. All right? All right. Now, God's Holy Spirit has always been, or God's Spirit, or God Himself, has always been present. All right? Yes. Always been present. Yeah. But it was present as an external force. On the outside, moving on the inside or toward the heart of man, but never abiding within man. Right. That's why Jesus said when he was preparing the disciples for his departure, he said, I am with you, but I shall be in you. Right. A great change was coming with regard to man's relationship to God. God was not going to be any longer just an external force moving on man, but he was going to move into the very heart of man and abide on the inside. He was going to, be, he was going to sit on the throne of man's life and command his life from the inside out. And what a difference that was going to make. 
All right? So the Holy Spirit comes to indwell the child of God. Romans 8 9. You know, right, Sister Gina? But you... But you're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. All right? Uh, We talk about dwell. That's kind of a permanent form. Right. I remember one time in our work in Brazil, I was very adamant in trying to get people to get in the altar and seek God to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And I went up to this man... And I said, brother, have you received the Holy Ghost? He said, I had a visit. (laughs) Brother Cameron, a visit doesn't get it. All right? God wants... (laughs) And I heard so much stuff. We've got to have God dwell in us. We don't want him to just pay us a little visit. (laughs) Knock on our door and say, hello, I'm here. How you doing? Doing okay? Yeah, okay. Well, goodbye. No. We want God to dwell in us, all right? Amen. Praise Amen. God. Amen. Praise God, all right? That was Romans 8 and 9. Now we're going to go to 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. And this is a very powerful scripture here. What? Know ye not that your body yeah. is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God... And you are not your own, for you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Right. All right? So the Holy Spirit fills the temple of your being, your soul and your heart, and moves in to dwell and abide there permanently. And that will be permanent if you, by constant renewing of your experience with God, is habitual. Right. Amen. Amen. All right? Right. The problem with so many people, so many people, and, uh, you know, I, I don't boast. I'm just telling you, all right? But, you know, we, my wife and I have been in this for over five decades. You know, kind of like been there, saw that, done that, experienced that, you know. And, and we, we see so many people that receive the Holy Ghost. And God accepts their repentance and God accepts their hunger. And, and God fills them with the Holy Ghost at that particular time, all right? You're going to a youth meeting. And I hope that there will some go that don't have the Holy Ghost and will be filled with the Holy yes. Ghost. Amen. But they've got to maintain that experience. Right. All right? I have my son's motorhome uh, in, uh, in Lodi, parked at a lot there. And uh, went to show it today to some people that are interested in buying it. Oh, God, please, Lord. My son needs to get a relief from the pain <coughs> for that thing. All right? And... Uh, and so I was able to tell them, and I said, the records are right here, okay, that he did all of the maintenance work. It is up to date. The oil's been changed. The filters have been changed. And whether pastor was taking care of that was vehicles today to make this trip to Bakersfield, all right? And uh, maintenance is important. Right. And, and, and we see what happens to equipment that is not maintained. 
We see what happens to cars that are not maintained. And I, unfortunately, and my wife, and probably you as well, we have seen the effect of spiritual lives that have not been maintained. Yeah. That's good. We see cars stopped by the side of the road. What happened? Lack of maintenance? Probably. All right, probably. Uh, I don't know what happened back down the freeway today. We come down, there's police lights flashing beside the road. Went by, the police there, very kind of them to stop and shine the lights to the back of this man's car while he changed a flat tire. There's one problem with that. If that tire happens to be below the, the, the tread, the, the remaining tread that is permitted by law, that man's going to get a ticket. So that little bit of kindness could result in a little bit of an outlay of some do-re-mi, okay? All right? Because he allowed his tires to get too well worn. I'm not saying that's the case, but I'm just saying if that is the case, he will get a ticket, all right? Maintenance is so important, all right? Yes, sir. Maintenance is so important. All right? Letter D. The Holy Spirit seals, seals. How important sealing is, all right? Remember a house that I built, and I was told, said we had rain come and water coming in through the fireplace like, like it was a seal. Now, what in the world is going on? And so I asked if you go, well, you got to seal that. Oh, I thought that brick was pretty well waterproof. No, it's not. So I bought what is called Thompson's water sealer. Got out my sprayer. Shh. And I sealed that fireplace. That was the end of the problem. We may repent. We may be baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of our sin. But that's not the end of the game. We've got to be sealed by the power of God's Spirit. Sealed against the return of all of those ungodly things. Amen. Yes, sir. If I'm talking too loud, forgive me. But I get excited about this. We've got to be sealed against those things. Sealed by God's Spirit. So God's Spirit comes into our life and seals us. All right? Uh, Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. And I'm just going to hope you got it up there. In whom ye also trusted, after ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and whom also, after ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit, of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance unto, re, unto the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. Boy, there's a lot of stuff in this particular verse of Scripture, Brother Cameron. A lot of things there. All right? Some of you undoubtedly at one point or another in your life you have purchased a piece of property. One of the first things you did is you put down you put down some earnest money. And hope that the finance would go through so you wouldn't lose your earnest money. All right. Well, God's Holy Spirit in our lives is not the full package. That is the in the earnest money or the earnest investment on what we are going to receive in the future, which will be the eternal salvation of our soul. 
Is that understood? All right. Now, okay. If all of a sudden you put down that earnest money on that house, and you go back buy it someday, you say, you know what? I don't really like that house. I'm going to get out of this deal. Your money is going to be gone. Bye bye. All right. If you do not maintain your life sealed by the power of the Holy Ghost, your salvation is going to be bye-bye. It's good. Okay? And we've got to return to that place before God where we are sealed and resealed and renewed and uh, have this uh, work of God in our life. And grieve not, Ephesians 4.30, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. What's the day of redemption? The coming of the Lord, where we're going to be eternally redeemed out of this world and this yeah. life. Amen. And become a part of His eternal kingdom. Yeah. Praise God. All right? To be sealed will have the following meanings. One, ownership. The child of God belongs to Jesus Christ. Amen. That's right. Say it, Paul. I don't belong to me. I belong to God. All right? Uh, What I wrote about this morning to those that read my Portuguese writings is that somebody published on Facebook a statement that I absolutely just really got me going. All right? And I hope that I had the anointing of God's Spirit when I wrote. But I would, I would put, look at me like this is woman. <laughs> when it said, May God bless all of our plans for 2019. Well, I wrote a little reply to that right on Facebook. And I said, I think what you had better do is you'd better pray and find out what God's plans for you are for 2019 if you want to have peace and happiness and fulfillment in your life. True. Amen. Amen. I really expanded on that today about a thousand words worth, all right? (laughs) And a lot of scripture, okay? And uh, it's going to be going out to several hundred pastors uh, in the the near near future, all right? But... I don't belong to myself anymore. I surrendered ownership of my heart, my life, my soul, my entire being to God. To be able to receive his salvation. There had to be an exchange. Do you understand that? All right. So God became our owner. I belong to him. Okay. But by belonging to him, number two, I have security. The child of God is secure and safe as long as the Holy Ghost abides. And the seal is unbroken. Got one additional word and it's not supposed to be. One copy, let me go all back to this and, and take a look at it and get it in perfect better shape. All right? All right? We have security. Now that does not mean that I subscribe to the religious philosophy that is out there about eternal security. I had somebody sitting at my table and a person that I love. Uh, I didn't say anything because I didn't want any friction with this person, but I thought, my God, 
I don't understand. It was my brother, actually. Uh, I, I don't understand how this person, my brother, can believe what he just said to me. We were both raised in the same home. We heard the same Bible reading. We had the same father and the same mother. I cannot believe that his religious belief systems has become so skewed as to believe what he just said. His son is so far from God. But he said, I believe that he's going to be saved because I heard him really praying one time. Well, I'm glad he did. But if that experience is not maintained, it's lost, all right? All right? So we have security as long as we pray and seek God and renew ourselves and remain sealed by the power of the Holy Ghost. Now, number three, we receive God's approval. God does not fill anyone with the Holy Ghost whose life he does not approve of. All right? Now, don't don't start shooting darts at me here. Just give me a minute. All right? So you see someone in the altar. You know what kind of a life they've lived. And maybe their, maybe their physical appearance at that moment is not what you would expect of a Christian. But God examines the heart. And he pours out his Holy Spirit upon a person in relationship to their experience with him at that moment. And that is why, Brother Camarino, that it is so important that we become involved in a teaching ministry in the church to make sure that everybody understands these principles and endeavors to maintain their, experience, their spiritual experience with the Lord so that they uh, uh, don't lose that seal of the Holy Ghost. Right, right. Amen? That's right. Are you understanding me tonight? Yes. Amen. Thank you. All right? So, God looks on the heart, and God pours out His Holy Spirit upon a person, not by their outward appearance at, appearance at that moment, but by what He sees in their heart, by what He knows about them at that moment. And God's hope is that they will continue to walk and to uh, allow Him to move in their lives and clean up all of this stuff. We're going to talk about something in just a moment here. Okay? All right, finished work. The baptism of the Holy, Holy Spirit is the last act in the work of regeneration in the life of the believer. However, the work of growth and sanctification continues. Hello? Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, amen. There is never going to be a place Sister, in spite of our gray hairs, in all the years that we've lived for God, there's never going to be a place where we're going to be saved. I got it made. Never. Never. All right? It is a continual progressive work of God moving through us by the power of His Spirit to cause us to grow and to be uh, more and more sanctified as the years go by. All right, next point. It endues with power. All right. 
And we go to Acts 1, 8, it says, And ye shall receive power after that, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Now the, the, the word power comes from the same root as the word dynamite. Uh, I don't happen to like that comparison very well, and I'm going to give you one that is mine, all right, and biblical. Uh, this is actually the power of God coming into the life of an individual, giving him the power to overcome and live victoriously over sin, and the power to witness to souls and the saving grace of Jesus Christ. All right, and don't think of that dynamite as something explosive, all right? Now, in the Portuguese Bible and also in the Spanish Bible, anybody here speak Spanish? You read it in Spanish? Poquito. <laughs> you will notice in this verse that there's a verse that is used, and I guess I only needed the blackboard for this one thing, but I'm going to spell it for you, the blackboard, whiteboard. Uh, the word is poder, P-O-D-E-R. That is the word for power in both Portuguese and Spanish and, I don't know, maybe in French and other languages. I don't know, all right? But it is poder, all right? That word is the same word that we use when I say, I can. I can, all right? So the power of God that comes into us the Holy Spirit that we receive from Him gives us the power to say, I can. That's why Paul declared, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. Amen. Don't ever say, I can't. Don't say, I can't be free of this habit. Don't say, I can't be free of this particular thing in my life that is not really agreeable to God. You can do it. Amen. Amen. And God gave you His Spirit so that you can do it. Let me tell you something. I don't know any of you, and I'm not pointing my finger at anybody, alright? But if you've got the wrong kind of literature in your home, I can tell you for sure that God's not going to walk in there after you've turned off the light at night and take away your ungodly literature. Yeah. It's right. true. You're going to have to do that yourself. Yeah. All right? And anything else that is not pleasing to God that is in your life. You see, Paul, uh, Peter, Paul, Peter said to the people on the day of Pentecost, he said, save yourselves from this untoward generation. No, I don't really believe that I can save myself except by obeying the gospel. Yeah. But my obedience to the gospel is what I can do. And I must do that. Over in the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 11, verse 28, I believe it is, uh, the Bible said, uh, examine yourselves. Examine yourself. How do you do that? Well, you pray. You seek God. Or you do what we're doing for the next 21 days. Take in a day out of every week to push away the plate. Not eat the bagels and all that kind of good stuff. And pray. I had a real major problem when I worked in Brazil many years ago. And. I had four guys that had really created a real havoc in the church. And I decided I was going to do a seven-day seven day fast. And I mean, this was a total seven-day fast. 
It was the month of May, which happens to be the beginning of fall in Brazil. All right, and the seasons are reversed. So it was cool. So for the first three days, I didn't even drink any liquid. Maybe that's possible now because we're having some cold weather. I don't know. Whatever you decide to do, that is your choice. But mine was that I didn't drink any water for the first three days. For the next four days, I drank lots of water. But during that time, I ate no food of any kind. All right? That was very amazing because, because I purposed in my heart to do that. The very first day that I, uh, that is the second day of my fast, it was a Sunday. Some of my wife said, pick kids, go home. I'm staying here in the church to pray. And uh, so I got down to pray, and I began to tell God about how bad these four men were. I mean, I was reading their biography to God. And in the middle of all of that, God stopped me, and he began to read my biography. Tell me what was wrong in my life. And I said, wait a minute, Lord. Now, if I had, if I, somebody else had told me what God told me, I'd have probably got my German dander up and rejected their word. But you can't say anything to God, but yes, sir. Yes, Lord. All you can do. And I knew God was talking to me. Okay? So I got up. You know, if you are really in a spirit of prayer, you don't have to worry about that being interrupted by maybe reading a scripture or... Like I did, got up and got paper and pen. And I wrote down the names of people that God gave me that I had offended. And after the seven days of prayer and fasting, as uh, as opportunity availed itself, I went to each one of them or wrote them letters and asked for their forgiveness. I got no reply from any of them. But that doesn't make any difference. I did my part. I did what God asked me to do. Yes, sir. All right? And as a consequence of that, uh, God began to use me in ways that I had not been used before. All right? Amen. All right? And do with power. All right? So don't ever say you can't because you can. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have all been made to drink uh, into one spirit. All right? The spirit that you received is the spirit that I received. It ought to operate in your life in the same way that it operates in my life. Amen? It ought to operate in our lives in the same way that it operates in Pastor Camarena's life. The child of God is placed into the body of Christ, and at the same time, Christ comes into him. All right? This can be understood and illustrated. If we had a bucket of water here and a cup, I'd do it, all right? But you take the cup and you place it into the pail of water. The cup becomes filled with water, but the cup is also in the water, all right? And that's the way our lives become with God when we are filled with His Spirit. We are filled on the inner man. But we are also encompassed about with God's presence. Yeah. Right. Amen. And we may not be able to feel this among us, but sinners can feel the Spirit of God on us. Amen. Amen. Our last point. I only got three minutes. Okay. The the Spirit of God and the work of the Holy Ghost in our life, Holy Spirit in our life, is to guide the child of God. 
the Holy Spirit guides the child of God as to an understanding of the scriptures. There are too many people who read the scriptures who do not understand the scriptures because they do not have the author of the scriptures. That's the Holy Spirit. There's nobody that can explain better what he says in a book than the author. All right? And so if we are filled with God's Spirit, then we will understand Scripture because our relationship with God will give us the ability, or that is give God the ability to speak directly to us and cause us to understand these things. From Sister Gina before service night, she said, you know, I read the Bible constantly, and every time I read it, I, I learn something new. That's how wonderful God's Word is. It's new. It's fresh every day. And as you have a need in your life, God's Spirit that hopefully dwells in you in great fullness will reveal to you what you need to understand that day. Yeah. Amen. Right. Amen. Amen. Amen? All right. This Spirit, by speaking into the mind of the innermost man, by checking his action to decisions, guides every detail of the life of the child of God, if permitted to do so. If permitted to do so. If permitted to do so. You can rebel. You don't have to do what God tells you to do. Now I'm not going to tell you what the consequences are going to be, but uh, that's another story, all right? Okay, very quickly, we have three additional verses of Scripture here, or passages of Scripture, that I want to read for you with regard to this guiding ability of God's Spirit in your life, all right? And some of them are examples from God's Word. How be it, when He, the Spirit of truth, is come, He will guide you into all truth, for He shall not speak of Himself, <coughs> But whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. All right? Why is it that so many people out there in Christendom do not understand God's word as we understand it? Because they have not received the Holy Ghost into their lives. Yeah, that's true. Okay, let me give you an example. 1900, the first of the year, 119 years ago, in Topeka, Kansas, in a Bible school, there was a group of students that were praying, and they had been praying for some time, and God deemed to pour out His Holy Spirit on them. <clears throat> As He did in other places, like Azusa Street in Los Angeles, and other places, and other places of the world. All right? What was the result of that? The result of that was that God's Spirit began to illuminate the Scriptures and people began to understand the oneness of God. Right. And people began to understand baptism in Jesus' name. And by 1915, the movement uh, that we are a part of today was born. It was an infant yet, but it was born. And it was born out of the outpouring of God's Holy Spirit upon men and women who truly love God. Yeah. All right. Now Acts 13. Two through four. As they minister to the Lord. Now, uh, I, I could get relate some personal experiences here, but I'm not going to take a lot of time tonight. A lot more time. As they minister to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, 
for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. So they being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed in Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. And that was the first missionary journey, and they did a great work for God and established many churches, all right? But it all began because as they were involved in the work of God, they were involved in preaching and involved in teaching. They were just sitting on the church tree there and saying, God, use me. They were already doing everything in their power to be used of God. And then God called them to a very special ministry. And basically, that's what happened to my wife and myself, sitting in a general conference service in Portland, Oregon, in the month of August of 1970. And God called her and called me, and we didn't even confer about it for two weeks, but called us to the nation of Brazil. And when we discovered that God had spoken the same thing to both of us, I mean, it was almost more than we could contain. The joy, the excitement to know that God had chosen us for such a noble work. Now, when they had gone throughout Persia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost, all right? Now, sometimes the Holy Ghost leads us to do something, and sometimes the Holy Ghost forbids us to do something. All right? They were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, and they were come to Mysia. They essayed to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. All right? And so as they wanted to go this direction, Spirit didn't let them. Wanted to go this direction, Spirit didn't let them. So we're going to have to sit down here and we're going to pray and fast and wait on God until we get some direction. And that is when Paul received the Macedonian call. And across the sea they went and opened a tremendous work that was beyond the borders of what they had known before. All right? For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Amen. Praise God. Well, I hope I have blessed you tonight. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Let's stand together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Brother Pastor, for me to dismiss, sir. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Lord, I just want to stand here tonight before this wonderful group of people. I just want to thank you for your word, Lord. I want to thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit that causes that word to be engraved on our hearts, causes us to understand that word, and causes us to know what is the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Help everyone that is here tonight, Lord, to return to their homes and in their prayers this week to just open their hearts to you and allow you to move in and work in them in the way that you want to. The way that you want to, Lord, because nothing is more important to us than your will being done in our hearts and lives. With our pastor, bless his wife. Bless our elder, Brother Camarina, tonight and his wife. And bless and remember those that were not able for some reason to be with us tonight, Lord. May they, too, be blessed of you, Lord, and directed to uh, open their lives to the power and the working of your Holy Spirit. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Praise God. God bless you. God bless you. And.